Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 43 of Hack to Start. This episode features Samuel Hulick, the founder of UserOnboard.com. Tyler and I want to invite Samuel onto the show to share his insights and experiences with user onboarding. Originally a web developer, Samuel is passionate about putting users first and creating amazing user experiences. He started his blog, UserOnboard.com, to showcase different onboarding experiences as it is often the most overlooked aspect of the overall user experience. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey, Samuel. Thanks a lot for being on the show today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're, you know, both really excited to speak with you today. I know Tyler and I have been, you know, following what you're doing with with the user onboard breakdown since you started doing that. And uh, we're really looking forward to learning a lot more about you and and your work throughout this episode. So um, let's start things off by learning a bit more about you. Uh, Where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion for entrepreneurship really develop? Hmm. Uh, well, I am uh, living in Portland, Oregon, and have been for just a little over a decade now. So, uh, very, very proud resident of the 503. And uh, as far as entrepreneurship is concerned, I have always really wanted to start my own software business um, for longer than a decade now. And uh, it just seemed like uh, the opportunity was there, and I went for it. Before we really get into uh, user onboarding, kind of what you're doing there, uh, you've actually worked with several different startups and companies uh, and even founded a few of your own along the way. So, um, you know, coming out of school, um, um, you first started stylecity.org. So what was that startup and what were some of the biggest lessons you learned uh, then? Yeah, Um you you are the first person to ever bring up stylicity.org. Uh-oh, is that um, a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> uh, well, it, you've done your homework for sure. Uh, that, that was something that I, uh, that was pretty ridiculous, really. I, I had access to a database of independent record stores across the country from a previous job that I had been working on. And I, for whatever reason, thought that if I uh, could post that online and entice the owners of the record stores to update their contact information, that I would create this like bustling two-sided marketplace. And the whole thing was, was completely doomed from the beginning. It took me a very long time to realize that I had no business whatsoever on my hands. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was quite the foolish venture. So um, yeah, but that was, that was kind of my very first, first stab at, at having a, a software business at all. And it was... I guess you could say that it was a learning experience of nothing else. Cool. That's, that's, you know, absolutely important. Everybody has to have their, their own start somewhere. So, um, you know, following that, you actually had your own consulting practice, Portland Web Studio, before transitioning back to uh, working for another company called The Good as the UX lead. So what was The Good all about and, and how did you make the transition from, you know, consulting back to a regular day job, quote unquote? 
Yeah, so I kind of bounced between UX consulting and, and in-house agency uh, UX life for a while. I, um, I always really had a really strong passion for user experience design in general and always really tried to steer whatever position or consulting gig that I had towards something that would really benefit the user uh, in general. So that was a, a general passion of mine. Um, but yeah, going, going from consulting to in-house and back, seemed like a pretty natural transition really it was just a question of kind of like uh, a longer term gig versus a shorter term one really mm -hmm. and so you mentioned you always had a kind of a passion for for putting the user first and user experience where did that come from is there anything that you know uh, during school or early childhood that pushed you towards that kind of stuff Hmm. I, I would have to reflect on that regarding early childhood. That might be something that, that could be an interesting thing to think about. Uh, professionally speaking, I actually was initially, I really hung out my shingle as a developer first and foremost. And it was really just coming from a standpoint of kind of coming in at the end of the waterfall design process where a lot of strategic decisions had already been made and they were asking me to code up like a homepage carousel or a calendar or things like that where I was just like, you know, I'm going to pour a few hours of my life into making this and it's going to not really be beneficial to the people who are using it. I really wish that I had been able to come in earlier and kind of talk people out of making certain decisions earlier in the process so that it would be more beneficial for the end client and the end user at the same time. So um, it really, for me, it was just a, a strategic decision to get in earlier at the, in the decision-making process and be able to have like a, a seat at the strategy table, so to speak. That makes sense. And do you, did you find that, uh, you know, companies that would hire you as a consultant would tend to make that mistake a lot and, and kind of, you know, just leave design and user to the last minute? Or is it something that's kind of become a little bit more industry standard, I guess, over the years? Yeah, it's kind of funny that way. Like, I, I, I even to this day, I feel like basically half the companies that I work with are bringing a user experience person on as like a patch where like they're just stapling yeah. user experience on to like check that box. And then the other half of the companies that I work with are really just all in on user experience and they're bringing someone in to augment what they already have going. And you can really tell the difference between the two. Absolutely. So one of the other things that uh, that was on your on your CV that in the you know in depth research uh, background <laughs> I did <laughs> was uh, you actually ended up helping uh, do some customer acquisition for Drip. So can you tell us more about this company and how you went about doing customer acquisition? Sure. So uh, Rob Walling, who's the person behind Drip, is someone that I had who had been really influential on my work for a long time. I had read his book Start Small, Stay Small. And uh, just, you know, his, his independent business mindset was something that really spoke to me. And uh, I've been following him on Twitter, and I have a user experience and development background, but marketing was something that I always had a real blind spot for. It just was never, never really came up in my day to day work, and I just am not really a natural self promoter or anything like that. And uh, I saw him, him post that he was looking for basically like a like a marketing apprentice and it was a three month long program and I was like oh sure I'm totally all in and so I, I assumed that I was just going to get rejected outright because I didn't have any experience in it or things like that and I uh, wound up uh, being the one that that was selected and it was a it was a really great experience that's cool are there any like uh, I guess solid lessons from that from that time that you remember or uh, maybe some mistakes you did and, and how you overcame them anything like that 
Um, you know, I think I learned a lot of tactical things, it, and also just as far as like uh, being able to work directly with him and, and kind of take on the mindset. But the idea of just being really systematic in your approach to customer acquisition and looking at it from, you know, the metaphor is like a funnel, but it's also kind of a broken metaphor because funnels make sure everything gets through where really it's yeah. you're looking at where you're losing people so it's more of like a leaky bucket would be would be a better visualization of of your customer acquisition flow but um, yeah i mean i learned a i learned a ton of hands-on experience and things like that so you're currently the founder and the user onboarding champion at useronboard.com what is it and what motivated you to start it Sure. So the site itself is known for posting teardowns of uh, popular web apps first run experiences, which is basically, um, I guess what you could call kind of like the sign up or activation experience for different um, products like uh, Quora or Netflix or Twitter or things like that. Um, As far as where it came from, I was writing a book. Uh, After leaving the marketing apprenticeship that I had spoken about just a minute ago, I decided that I wanted to take a product to market and sell something of my own. And I figured self-publishing an ebook would be kind of a uh, reasonable and constrained product to uh, Mm -hmm. get my feet wet with. Um, I didn't realize what it would really take to write a book. I thought it would basically be like a really long blog post, but it turned out to be totally different. Um, but anyway, so I, I posted like a landing page with a sign-up uh, field to collect email addresses to make sure that there were people that were going to buy the book once I wrote it. And I realized that I needed to drive traffic to that page in order to get people to sign up. And I, I mean, I'm not being humble when I say that I had like no audience at that time. I was just friends of mine and nobody else. And I really needed to figure out a way to become relevant and earn people's attention. So I, uh, I started putting out teardowns and, and uh, the site kind of took on a life of its own and, and um, had some momentum unto itself and things have gone pretty cool since then. That's really cool. So why would you showcase user onboarding versus any other element of an application? Yeah, uh, well, for one thing, I think it's really, really uh, important and also really overlooked. And it's not r- typically part of someone's day-to-day concerns when you look at the way that a uh, software business or typical software business is, is uh, organized. There isn't typically a user onboarding person or even user onboarding isn't really something that's reflected in in a team or department's goals on a day-to-day basis. So um, despite that fact, it's also just completely crucial to the to the customer acquisition lifecycle. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a, an ideal matchup of no one was really covering it, but it's also super crucial. And uh, I figured somebody should step up and, and gra- take that mantle and... Um, I thought I would give my, give myself a chance to be that person. So, what are your pr- personal thoughts on user onboarding for startups rather than an established or bigger company? Do you think it's a step that many companies often skip? If so, what process would you recommend to build the perfect onboarding flow? Hmm. Um, yeah, I would. I would certainly say that it's something that a lot of companies skip. It's also something where. It, 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 when when people do focus on onboarding, it's almost like I kind of mentioned earlier, like you're checking a box where it's like, okay, well, we added tooltips to our uh, product, so onboarding is done, and we can revisit that in like two years or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, where you know, if if you're if you're delivering something that people want, you have a market that's evolving and a product that's evolving, and your onboarding should really evolve along with both of those and be something that you're constantly iterating on, and not just kind of making a haphazard guess and then like making it semi permanent by leaving it there for a couple of years. So, um, you know, taking a really studious, uh, deliberate approach to figuring out what people absolutely need to do in order to get value out of your product right away and uh, you know really hammering that home is super important like if you look at all the time that you're pouring into features that you're designing for your product or your product in general uh, people getting value out of it is obviously your end goal but if they can't even get started there's no way they're gonna get value out of it so looking at designing that initial five minutes or the first couple visits and making sure that that's really nailed is to my mind as important or more important than making sure that once somebody's totally up and running that they're going to have a great experience as an ongoing like quote unquote power user. Out of all the apps that you've showcased on useronboarding.com, what has been your personal favorite? Uh well, it's it's hard for me to to categorically or objectively say like that one onboarding experience is better than another because I don't have you know access to their conversion data or user behavior data or things like that. Um but speaking just totally subjectively, based off of like the feelings that I had while using it, uh, Quora, oh sorry, not Quora, um, <laughs> uh, Quora is pretty good too, but the, the two standouts were really Slack and Duolingo. Yeah, Slack's been great. I haven't, I haven't done Duolingo yet, but I should check it out. Um, so what, what, was the, what was the part of Duolingo that really stood out for you? Well, I think that one thing, one ideal to aspire to when creating an onboarding experience is to blend it into your product experience to the point where you don't really know where onboarding starts or stops where um you know you kind of the the general idea of like learning something without realizing that you're being taught or instructed to um and and Duolingo does a really great job where even I as a reviewer was going through it and I was like is this the end of the onboarding experience I'm not really sure I'm already learning a language like they're delivering value really really early in the experience at what point do I even say like, okay, you know, now it's just like uh, open open use or whatever? Um, so they did a really really good job of of blurring the lines between play and instruction and introduction and ongoing use. That's pretty cool. Um, it, it wasn't uh, maybe the, maybe there's no process, but I, I figured I'd ask anyway. How do you pick which app you're going to review next? Yeah, totally no process. <laughs> um, I have a really long list of of. Um, apps that people have suggested to me or have just come up on my radar and it's really just a, a question of whatever I kind of seems like a, a good fit in the moment. So no app is perfect and there's obviously always small things that even some of the biggest and most popular apps do incorrectly. But what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen since you started this uh, website? I would say one one big one is identifying, uh, well, the 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 lack of of identifying people's momentum and flow that your product has probably come up on people's radar for like a couple weeks or possibly a couple months before they finally decide like today is the day that I sign up for Netflix or whatever that is I've heard about it uh, I've seen it referenced on TV shows whatever it is like finally I'm gonna make it happen today and uh, it's so rare to get someone's undivided attention like that and to have so much momentum behind what they're bringing to the experience. And it seems just criminal to me that you would freeze and halt up that flow by 
being like, okay, first we're going to just tell you all about us and you're just going to have to sit back and read or you're just going to have to click next 20 times with this tooltip tour or you're going <laughs> to yeah. have to go to your inbox to confirm your email address. And like the, the whole idea of like, I just want to get started. I just want to be able to accomplish something is so strong in that moment. And to, 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 uh, to not be able to deliver on that to me seems like a real crime. So in parallel to the website, you've built a, a book called The Elements of User Onboarding. What are some of the biggest lessons you can share from the book? Uh, well, the book starts by looking at your, like kind of taking a step back and saying, um, let's look at your your customer acquisition flow from beginning to end. So again, maybe somebody heard about you from a friend. Uh, what was it that their friend said about your product? That's kind of setting their expectations there. Maybe they heard about you from an AdWords ad or from a Facebook ad or popped up on their Twitter feed somewhere. Like really just starting from the earliest stages of how are people even expecting you to improve their life in some way by signing up for your product. And then making sure that you're consistent from end to end. So I think a lot of times people look at onboarding as something that starts as soon as someone signs up for your product, and you know then you kind of blast them with tooltips and give them a tour of the features that you're most proud of or whatever. But you know, to my mind, it, it actually starts much earlier as soon as someone starts shaping their expectation of, of what your product does and how it can fit into their life. And and really, you want to be honing that message from the beginning and and uh, consistently delivering on it throughout your your entire product experience. That's awesome. So do you have any tips about designing and building the ideal user onboarding experience for a product? Or how do you optimize it? What are some of the tools and processes that you use? Well, I would start by becoming really clear on what kind of value you're providing to people and what kind of real life benefits that you're that you're giving them. And um, I, I made a graphic that has gotten kind of popular where there's like the the tiny Mario who encounters the fire flower and then becomes like the super fireball throwing Mario. Are are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. Okay, so you know, in the same way, like it's really not so much about the flower or the plant or whatever that is. It's about the transition that you provide to that person. And so, in the same way that if you have a product that helps people be better at doing their taxes or better at watching movies or better at uh, finding dates or whatever it is that you do, like taking a step back and saying, regard like if from a software agnostic standpoint, what is the end benefit that we provide to people, and how can we ensure that more people are able to receive that benefit, uh, and aligning your software experience around that rather than um, you know how can we walk people through more of their features or or like railroad them through becoming activated in our product and things along those lines. So what's next for user on board in 2015? Good question. Um, so for 2015, right now I'm really pre- I'm really occupied with making uh, some software to to help solve this problem and help people become more iterative and evolutionary in their approach to onboarding experiences. So um, that's 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 priority number one. And then beyond that, just I'm continuing to post new teardowns and um, continuing to explore the space and study it as much as I possibly can. I was going to say, do you have a name or, or a site for the software yet? Anything that we can point people towards or include in the podcast uh, episode? Yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I literally spent like three solid days just trying to come up with a name for it. And <laughs> naming was, like, is the hardest s- part. <laughs> right. Uh, and like naming something that doesn't even exist yet is like doubly hard. 
Um, but I was like, look, I was like, I want it to be like short and spellable and pronounceable, and also the dot com and the Twitter handle is available. And I, I spent so much time uh, like buying different domain names and like nothing would really stick. And then I realized that like, oh, user onboard would be a really good name for this product. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's the the name is just user on board, and, and eventually, what I'm what I'm looking to do is just transition It'll the site easy. from yeah, okay. you know being content centric to that being um, you know the content supporting the the product and software itself. Awesome. So for people listening, if they want to be the first people to sign up, they can just kind of check out your site, and eventually it'll it'll change over, and they can have that opportunity. So that's cool. That's there cool. you go. So what apps, books, devices, or tools are you currently obsessed with right now? Well. Keynote is really central to a lot of things that I do. Outside of just making presentations, that's what I do teardowns in, and I also uh, uh, just like sketch my ideas out in Keynote. And uh, I also wrote the book that I, the elements of user onboarding in Keynote. So that's a that's like one of you know kind of like a desert island product for me. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be one example. Is that the, is that answering the question that you're you're looking for? Or? Yeah, anything yeah, exactly. you use on a, on a daily basis, basically. Yeah, I mean, outside of like web browsers, I would say Keynote is is way way up there. If there's um, people looking to get into the UX industry, are there any books that you would recommend that would help them kind of get their feet wet into this new industry? Yeah, well, um, l- like from kind of like a, a giving a shit about the users standpoint, um, yeah. maybe less less like a professional development or whatever, but just like an empathy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can easily say that the book "Don't Make Me Think" by Steve Krug uh, basically put me on the path that I'm on today. I, mm-hmm. I just kind of picked it up on a whim, and um, that book just completely opened my mind to the whole concept of of just caring <laughs> at all about about how uh, what the experience of people who use the software that you create is. So that's you know easily the the thing that I would point people to. What's your what's your day to day you know uh, workflow like? Uh, how do you how do you organize kind of the, your breakdown or anything like that? Oh, totally unorganized. I, <laughs> I just I it's I, I guess the best way I could describe it is catch as catch can. I uh, I I just I just try to keep all the plates spinning that I can and and uh, sleep sleep when it's available and and otherwise I have absolutely no regimen or anything along those lines whatsoever. I love it. I love it. So, um, do you have any last thoughts or, or personal models that you live by that you think others should uh, should also know about? Uh, not particularly. I, um, I'm, uh, there's a Benjamin Franklin quote that I'm a really big fan of, which is little strokes fell great oaks, which is to say, just keep going at it and, um, you know, chipping away at, uh, at things and eventually bigger things can happen. So I, uh, I try to, to live by that as much as possible. And, but, uh, I would not, I would not prescribe that to anybody else. I would say just, uh, figure things out on your own and, and, uh, live your truth, so to speak. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, I think that that about wraps it up. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Samuel. It was great to have you on the show. Absolutely. It was a genuine pleasure to to be on the show. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.